you know, when you're wearing clothes, it, you know, my lean, muscular build, it's, it's hard to know that I was getting a little bit of a spare tire underneath them. But I was getting a little bit of a spare tire. But besides that, besides that, there are two things. One, my chronic back problems, which you covered last episode. And I wanted to do whatever I could to ameliorate these back issues. Consistent, safe exercise is one of them. And the other thought I had was maybe my diet is affecting my back. Because I was reading a lot about, you know, the diet, the typical American diet is inflammatory. And I'm thinking, these are, I, I might have an inflammation issue going. I mean, my back keeps going into spasm. It's probably chronically inflamed. If I can not only exercise my back properly, but maybe reduce my chronic inflammation, that might be my answer. Inform Nation, welcome to episode 25 of the Inform Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with New York Times bestselling author, Adam Zickerman and friends. I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network and a client of Inform Fitness, joined as always by Sheila Melody, Mike Rogers, and of course, Adam Zickerman. Okay, team, at the time of this recording, spring has just sprung, summer is just a few months away, and I'm sure a good portion of Inform Nation is already thinking about summer, which means they're thinking about slimming down a little or in some cases, a lot. So dieting is on their minds. And we've all heard of, and I'm sure participated in at least a few nutrition plans like the paleo diet, the Atkins diet, or one that I really enjoyed a few years ago is the slow carb diet from Tim Ferriss. And most recently, I had tremendous success by just eating cleanly, as you describe, Adam, in chapter three of your book, Power of 10, The Slow Motion Fitness Revolution. So Adam, you visited LA just a few months ago when we recorded the Adam in La La Land episode. And frankly, you looked extremely fit. So in the last episode, you mentioned we're going to talk about a diet that you've been on uh, for the last X amount of days. And my question is, why did you even consider going on a diet in the first place? Because you don't look like you need to go on one. I picked up a few lessons from my female friends, and I know how to dress to hide it. <laughs> you wear Spanx? Is that what you're telling me? Spanx. Spanx and black. New York black. Spanx for men. Everybody in New York knows how to hide it. <laughs> we wear black. We hide our emotions. We hide <laughs> You don't hide your emotions in New York. Come on. That's true. That's the one thing we don't hide. I know. It's our emotions. Oh, it's you people in LA that hide your emotions. Yeah, we're the passive oh, no. aggressive we, ones. We want to talk about our emotions. Yeah. No, that's down south in the south where they're passive aggressive. Anyway, we digress. But but you mentioned a diet, and here's a guy, the, the guru, well, the founder of Informed Fitness and you're fit. So, so what prompted you to, to go on a diet? I'm so glad you asked me that question because you know what other question I get asked in a similar vein mm -hmm. is, why do you work out, Adam? You look great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say, think I look You great? say, because I never want to look you know, like you. Kind of <laughs> that, away, you know. And that just reminded me of something Yogi Berra once exactly. said. He says, you know, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's always too crowded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yogi number eight. So listen, why did I go on this diet? Well, first of all, diets are not always about weight loss, fat loss. Hmm. Diets are about health, or they should be. Now, I know anyone that goes on a diet, their number one concern is I want to lose body fat, which is a noble goal because being overweight has health problems associated with it. Now, I did want to lose a little weight, first of all, because I only said that I hide it well half-jokingly, <laughs> because the other half, I, I did need to lose a couple of pounds. And, 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 it, was, and it is true that 
you know, when you're wearing clothes, it, you know, my lean muscular build, it's, it's hard to know that I was getting a little bit of a spare tire underneath them. But I was getting a little bit of a spare tire. But besides that, besides that, there were two things. One, my chronic back problems, which you covered last episode. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do whatever I could to ameliorate these back issues. Uh, exercise is one of them. Consistent, safe exercise is one of them. And the other thought I had was maybe my diet is affecting my back. Hmm. Because I was reading a lot about, you know, the diet, the typical American diet is inflammatory. And I'm thinking, these are, I, I might have an inflammation issue going. I mean, my back keeps going into spasm. It's probably chronically inflamed. If I can not only exercise my back properly, but maybe reduce my chronic inflammation, that might be my answer. So for years, I've been reading about the ketogenic diet. Mm. And for years, I was poo-pooing it. Why? Because I had, a, I, had, I, had a, I had a vast misunderstanding about what a ketogenic diet was. Basically using ketones for fuel. I'll get into what a ketone is a little bit later. But my understanding of ketones was when your body is using ketones for fuel or if you're producing a lot of ketones, I always understood that to be very dangerous. In my mind, without realizing it, I was really thinking of what they call ketoacidosis, which is much different from nutritional ketosis, using ketones for fuel from a nutritional point of view, as opposed to something very dangerous called ketoacidosis. That was where the confusion comes in. Whenever you talk to a nutritionist or a doctor and say, I want to go into ketosis, they say it's dangerous. And being in ketoacidosis is very dangerous, but you cannot go into ketoacidosis just by eliminating carbohydrates or, or going to what they call nutritional ketosis. Ketoacidosis, let me explain what that is. It usually afflicts people with type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetics cannot produce insulin. And when you cannot produce insulin, when you eat carbohydrates, the sugar starts building up, building up, building up. And what happens is the body can't utilize that sugar because the insulin is not there to utilize that sugar and bring it into the fat cells or the muscle cells or to bring it into any cell that needs that glucose for energy. So the body, if it can't get glucose for energy, it starts metabolizing fat for fuel. That's where it's going to get its energy from. And it starts going crazy producing these ketones. You see, ketones come from fat, the metabolism of fat. An alternative source of energy for the body are ketones. Fat gets broken down into ketones. Carbohydrates get broken down into glucose. And when the body breaks down carbohydrates for glucose and those glucose molecules can't be used, the body will say, okay, let me go break down some body fat, get some ketones out of it, and utilize that for fuel. So it's another source of currency, if you will. But when you're a type 1 diabetic, your body goes crazy producing these ketones, and you end up having so many ketones that you go into an acidic state, a dangerously acidic state where you basically all functions of the body cannot produce, cannot function when you're in such a high acidic state. In other words, we have to have a pH level that's very, very stable, right? Like about normal, about seven. Our pH is about seven. That's the normal functioning pH of the human body. When you start having all these ketones that start going through the roof, ketones are acidic, by the way, and ketones that, got, that, that are not being checked or regulated 
start going through the roof and you are in a very dangerous state. So a type 1 diabetic can very often go into ketoacidosis and they have to go to the hospital, they have to get the injections, and it's usually a diabetic that's not taking care of themselves. You cannot go into that acidic state being in what I have been in for the last 90 days called nutritional ketosis. Nutritional ketosis is a state in where your body, instead of using glucose for fuel, not because there's no insulin, but because you're not eating anything that's going to produce a lot of high glucose, your body says, well, I need energy, so I'm going to start using fat for fuel. And every cell cannot use actual fat for energy. They have to break down the fat. Just like we have to break down carbohydrates for glucose, we have to break down fat. And they're breaking them down into ketones. And these ketone bodies are being used for fuel. Well, there's a lot of evidence right now that's showing that these ketogenic diets, which are to break it down into macronutrients, about 70%, 75% fat, about 10% protein, maybe 15% protein, and then the rest, which is about 5% carbohydrates. Now, immediately, red flags are flying all over when you say the diet is made up of 75% fat. Now, let's drill down on that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We're not talking cheeseburgers. No. Well, we're not talking cheeseburgers with the bread, hmm. but we are talking cheeseburgers. Uh, I will have red meat. I will have cheese. Red meat has to be grass-fed, not this, you know, factory-raised yeah, Hormone-laden, yeah. All right, so the quality of the foods you're eating also are very important. So I eat grass-fed beef, and beef, the fat in the beef is very good for you. What you have to be careful of, what I realize, and this is, one of, this is a very common mistake people make on ketogenic diets, is that they think it's a high-fat, high-protein diet, but it's not really high-protein. Having too much protein actually can produce an insulin response or produce sugar because protein can be converted into glucose. It's called gluconeogenesis. And it can be almost as bad as actually eating carbohydrates. Wow. So a lot of people, they'll eliminate their carbohydrates and they'll end up having tons of red meat, which is a lot of protein. That sounds like the Atkins diet. That's to me. what I was just going to say. Yes, the Atkins diet is, in essence, a ketogenic diet. And the misinterpretation of the Atkins diet of a ketogenic diet is that you're, the image is like a bunch of cavemen sitting around just you know, gnawing on, on a dead animal or something like that and just eating fat and bacon and protein all day long. It's not like that. It's, it's mostly vegetables that are saturated in fat like olive oil or, or coconut oil or avocado oil, mm -hmm. salads that are doused in that kind of fat, sauteing vegetables and ghee or, or other types of oils. Wal walnuts, too. Walnuts, like avocados in general, uh, salads, and grass-fed meat, pasture-raised chickens, mm -hmm. eggs, and, of course, wild fish. That is my diet. And it's not like I'm eating tons of that meat. I'm eating six ounces of, of, of a steak. I'm eating uh, w and tons of Brussels sprouts that have been, you know, uh, Roasted in, in coconut oil. Uh, All sounds pretty good to me so far. I feel so like far. I eat that way mostly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like literally, probably eighty-five percent of the time, I eat exactly what you just described. And but I committed to eating this way without exception mm -hmm. for ninety days. I started at the beginning of this year, so oh, here right. we are. And where are you now at the time of this recording? Well, it's 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 a coincidence, but I am literally today. On my ninetieth day, really? Wow. Oh, congratulations! So wow. How about that? Day. 
Wow. Okay. We started January 3rd. Wow. We started January 3rd, which is a Tuesday. So this is, I don't know if it's the 90th day, but it's 12, it's exactly, I just finished my 12th week starting January 3rd. All right. And this is a Tuesday. Now give us an update too. Uh, we're we're going to want to. I just uh, today is the last day of my twelfth week. I don't think ninety is divisible by seven. So. <laughs> well, he's close. <laughs> Twelve weeks. Uh, you know something? I'm going to grab my abacus. It's in the corner there. I'm going to see if I can figure this out. <laughs> All right. So nonetheless, nonetheless, let's so, review. So, so, so that was one. By the way, at the beginning, I said why I did this. One because I thought it would help my back. Anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Ketogenic diets are well suspected to be anti-inflammatory. The second reason that I wanted to, to do this diet was because I had my annual checkup and I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s now, early 50s, but mm-hmm. 50s nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And my blood work is creeping the wrong way. They're starting to get on the high side of normal. Let me ask you, is that they, prior to going on the diet? Prior to going on a diet, gotcha. I had my annual checkup. Okay. And... The results came in, and he said to me, hey, you know, nothing to be alarmed about at this point, but you're trending the wrong way. Uh, Your C-reactive protein is is creeping up, which is an inflammatory marker. He says your your cholesterol is is creeping up. It's not on, you know, it's not too high per se, but it's on the higher side of normal. My A1C, which is an indicator of your blood sugar, was creeping up, again, on a high side of normal. And I was like, wow. So these are all things that indicate that I am going towards what many Americans go towards as they get older, with metabolic syndrome. Wow. And it reminded me uh, of the same situation that Dr. Atia, Dr. Peter Atia, uh, his story, when he, he started his quest on ketogenic diets, and he was in the same situation. He worked out all the time. He thought he ate well most of the time. You know, we think eating well is eating, you know, whole grain breads and fruits and and, and occasionally what's so bad about having a beer here and there. And next thing you know, it you're ingesting in a week's, you know, in a day, you're still ingesting, you know, 250 grams of carbohydrates without even thinking about it. So he decided to take control of that as well. And when I saw that, my blood numbers are going up. And then I read what Dr. Tia went through. Like, holy cow, that's me. So that also prompted me. I wanted to see if going on a ketogenic diet would change these numbers. Well, my, this is the 90th day, so I'm about to get those numbers checked. So we're gonna, I'm going to report back on this. But what I can talk about now is how I feel. Let's start with is, your back. And what has happened. First of all, my back, in combination with what I've been doing, my low back exercises and staying consistent with that, my back has never felt better. Wow. That's amazing. Mm. It's never felt better. And, and uh, I can sit for hours in a car. I can sit in hours at my desk and get up sideways. And you're giving uh, this ketogenic diet credit for assisting with that. Well, first of all, I'm a sample size of one. So right, it's, right. this is not scientific at all. Mm-hmm. But I am giving it credit. That in conjunction with taking care of my back with the exercises. So I don't know where the cause and effect is because I've been doing a couple of things at once. Mm-hmm. But b- big teller is going to be obviously the blood number, the blood work that I get done soon. But besides that, and besides the fact that my back feels better, I've lost 15 pounds. Holy wow. smokes. Wow. Right? Congratulations. I've lost 15 pounds of, of weight that you didn't think I needed to lose. 
So I look a lot better naked now. <laughs> we'll put a I post just, it. We'll so put I don't a, have to wear clothes anymore. We'll put a link to the show notes on that wear, for you. <laughs> I don't have to wear a t-shirt at the pool anymore. <laughs> oh, you're that guy. You know, when, when your body gets a little bit smaller, it, it gives the illusion that other things are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you have that as well. We'll have that in the show notes as well. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> uh, big, a big thing I noticed, a big thing I noticed was my digestion. My digestion changed dramatically. Uh, I don't have upset stomachs. My uh, elimination, if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. has been... Uh, we'll have that in the link honestly, in the show notes it's as been, well. It's been, <laughs> it's been undramatic. I mean, it's been, it's been beautiful. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Well, you know? your good friend, yeah. Dr. Oz, yeah. would Maybe be proud of that. Maybe this will get edited out. It, Maybe it won't, but I'm just curious. <laughs> what does beautiful mean? <laughs> No, seriously. It's a actually, very important thing. That actually is. And so it will not be edited out. So describe beautiful. Just You mean like one clean, long... Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. Tapering on both ends. Yeah, man. Oh, there. God. Listen. It's perfect. Dr. It's, it's, Oz, uh, that was right. his thing, right? Yeah. But, no, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's a very important thing. You know, especially since you're talking about me. And, and <laughs> you know, I can't you even... Don't sound, I, you don't sound like you're yeah, embarrassed. I am. I'm, in, I'm blushing. Look how red he is. You remember, this is somebody that can't even... That, that's too shy to... To, to uh, urinate in front of his wife. That's the, I know, just so. want to remind you that you're the one who's talking about yourself right now. Yeah. Okay. It's hard. So it's nonetheless, hard. he's had really... <laughs> to talk about myself. There's a lot of fiber in this diet, and it's really helping Adam a lot. Well, so good. that's really, really, really very interesting. And I want to ask a question about, is there a difference in you know, how women react to this diet as opposed to how men react to this diet. Coming off that interview we had a few weeks ago with Dr. Sylvia Tara and The Secret Life of Fat and how different men and women, um, spot, you know, our, our makeup is and how we, you know, process fat and everything. It's like, I, it sounds like something I'd like to try. And I feel like I've been kind of doing this for the most part. I think she's committing. I think but she needs to jump on 90 days. Is it, well, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here saying that everyone should jump on the ketogenic diet bandwagon, first of all. So I, I, need, to, I need to make that disclaimer. Hmm. Secondly, women are different. We're all different. I'm different from another man. Uh, and, and women certainly have their issues, you know, especially when you talk about nutrient partitioning and no matter what you eat, it's going to, some of it's going to be partitioned to fat. Uh, hormonal issues with women as they get older, all kinds of things. Genetics for men and women are different amongst ourselves, and, and uh, all these things play into it for sure, for sure. But having said that, sugar is bad. Right, mm. right. It's sugar, sugar is bad. Sugar is inflammatory. There's nothing good that comes out of sugar and ex excessive carbohydrates. I don't believe being in ketosis is dangerous anymore. And this idea of eating a lot of fat, even if it's saturated fat, especially if it's saturated fat, is not bad for you. It's been shown over and over and over again that dietary fat does not raise your cholesterol. So just check that box off, all right? It's not true. It is just not true that eating egg yolks and eating red meat raises your cholesterol. That is not what is raising your cholesterol for, you know, the last 10, 15 years have really been showing that. Mm -hmm. All right, so my blood work will, will, will show this. I mean, I'm, hey, you know, if I go to my blood work and my cholesterol's through the roof, I'm going to have to eat my words. Well, uh, I, I again, say you might share be it. even another cause of it. But the thing is, if my, all my triglycerides are good and all my uh, inflammatory markers are, are lowered and my cholesterol happens to stay on a higher side, 
and everything else is really, really good, I'm not going to worry about high cholesterol. High right. cholesterol, high LDL is not a very good marker for heart disease. On its own. Yeah. On its own. Now, there's this other test that Dr. T actually told me to get, which is an NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance test, mm. to test for your LDLP. See, when you go to the doctor and you get LD, and you get your cholesterol blood work done, you're getting blood work for your LDLC. LDLC is how much cholesterol, low density cholesterol, is in your in your blood. Whereas the LDLP is showing you how many LDL proteins are in your blood. It's, I'm getting technical right now, but mm -hmm. it's a different marker and a much better marker and indicator of of potential heart disease. This LDLP. So I'm going to get that done and see if my LDLP is nice and low. And if that is, regardless of what my LDLC is or total cholesterol is, I'm not going to be worrying about it. And yeah. again, my A1C, my C-reactive protein, these markers, if they, are, if they start going down after 90 days of eating, I'm not kidding you, 70% of my diet being fat, Wow! All right, yeah, that I'll, would... be, I'll be pretty convinced, at least for myself. Let me tell you about my experience uh, psychologically. Yeah, I'm curious how you managed this because they seem like well, a lot of drastic changes. Host, yeah, this is why I'm not necessarily telling people just to, hey, go on this ketogenic diet. First of all, I'm not a nutritionist. I just play one on TV. Mm -hmm. all right? so, <laughs> so I'm not a nutritionist. Secondly, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy to adjust to this type of diet. If you're used to eating grains and carbohydrates and I mean, I am basically a vegetarian that is saturating their vegetables with saturated fat and, and all kinds of fats and having small portions of, of animal protein, whether it be a chicken or a fish or a cow, all well-raised, but they're small quantities. I'm not eating a lot. I'm also intermittent fasting. I'll go at least two or three times a week. I'll go anywhere from 18 to 24 hours without eating. I'll be wow. drinking lots of liquids. I'll be drinking... Uh, homemade beef broth or chicken broth, mm -hmm. and that's it until I eat one meal. So tell day. us, tell us your schedule, Adam. So what, around when you with this intermittent fasting, what time are you stopping eating at the end of the day, and when so do you I'll pick up dinner. the next day? I'll eat. I'll eat dinner. At what time? I'll eat dinner anywhere from between uh, five and seven most okay. days. And so let's say I finish eating at seven. I won't eat again until at least two, three o'clock in the afternoon the next day. Oh my. Wow. How do you do that? So are you low cases, on energy in some the next cases, day? I won't eat again until dinner the next but day. But you're having the broth? When you work as much as we do, when you work as much as we do, <laughs> i got to be honest easy. with you, it's that it, time flies and yeah. you sometimes forget about food. I'm, True. I'm, I, I'm not as strict as Adam is, but I have a, you know, probably like I'm doing about 85, 90% of what he's doing in regards to like the ketogenic model and mm -hmm. the fasting model without even trying to. Without do. even well, that's, planning. That's yeah. We work a lot and that's, well, you know, that speaks to one of the techniques that, that people recommend to help you through these intermittent fasts, and that's distraction techniques. So, so when your mind keeps saying, eat, 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 distract yourself, pick up your guitar, write a letter, do something else, mm. distract yourself from the fact that you, you know. Now, a lot of this hunger, by the way, is psychological. We're just not used to it uh, mentally. But besides that, at the beginning, your body is physically wanting that food, but you when you be, once you start utilizing your fat for fuel and you become what they call keto adapted, where your body is primed to really use fat for fuel, and that takes a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks sometimes. The first three or four weeks were the toughest because sure. I was not adapted yet, so I was very hungry. Uh, now, 
Well, it's 4.30. I haven't eaten yet today. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. I haven't eaten yet. Last time I ate was dinner time around 5 yesterday. So oh, you don't. That's a, that's a lie. He had two celery sticks. Oh, that's me. right. I, I saw you. Oh, <laughs> well, that's true. I just had two celery sticks. So I broke my fast. But it's two celery sticks. And honestly, I grabbed them because they were there. It's not because I was dying to eat something. And if I was dying to eat something, I sh- certainly wouldn't pick it. Well, she when you're, when celery you're, sticks anyway. When you say but, you're fasting, so you said you, you mentioned the bone broth, though. But do you have that when you're fasting or you have nothing? You just have water. I have water mostly. But yeah, I mean, we, we serve bone broth here. Uh, we're making our own bone broth now. We can talk about that at a later date, yeah. but yeah, that that doesn't count as cheating. It, it's it's ninety nine point nine percent water. Right. It just has the minerals and the amino acids in it. So I don't consider that really cheating. But come on, even if I was to have a small meal, uh, the the gist of it is going long periods without eating, and and that, from what I understand, is the real anti inflammatory aspect. I mean, sugar causes inflammation, and and uh, eating a lot also causes inflammation because you're breaking down all this stuff and you're getting all these free radicals and there's oxidative, uh, there's all this oxidative work going on and that's what causes a lot of this inflammation. Now, I'm reading and I'm learning that intermittent fasting forces the body to regenerate their cells at a lot of faster rate. Mm. So, you know, that, that, there's something to that. And then I also read that an easier way to do the intermittent, well, for a 16-hour fast that you could basically do is just stop eating at 7 and then don't eat again until 11 a.m. Right, lunch. That's 16 hours. Basically skipping breakfast. Right, right, exactly. A lot of people do that anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is the problem. This is the problem by intermittent fasting. You know, even when I go go 24 hours, you know, I'm, I'm hungry by then. A lot of people say they can go days without eating and they're not hungry. These are people that are really truly keto adapted. They've maybe been doing it for uh, a year or more. I don't know. So far, I haven't been able to go more than 17 hours without all of a sudden having all those hunger pangs. And at at that point, I just kind of deal with it for another few hours. Now, when I do eat, this is the hard part. You have to eat a regular small meal. No binging, I guess. No, Because it's so easy when you're famished like that and you've gone all day without eating. It's like you want to eat lunch, breakfast, mm. dinner, and one snacks sitting. all at one time in yeah. one sitting. Exactly. And you have to stop yourself from doing That's that. That's probably one of the differences to what was going on even before you did this 90-day thing. I mean, because our lifestyle really lent itself to, I mean, we, none of us eat that many carbohydrates ever. I mean, Adam hasn't for a while, but when you were... Uh, you know, you probably, I'm, I'm just guessing cause you're like me. <laughs> um, I, some, you know, I do these all day fasts. Also, I have some snacks. If I don't prepare my food all throughout the day, which I did, you know, this week, uh, I will come home and I will eat like, you know, seven pieces of chicken and, you know, and it happens. <laughs> and I, I'm not, I'm, believe me, that's, sure. I, I'm not proud of it afterwards, but sometimes you, unless you can control that voracious, um, urge, it's... Uh, you just keep you're going. Not, you're not yeah. going to get what Adam's talking about here. So, Adam, as we come to the end of this episode, I really would love to encourage you to get those tests done quickly, and and if you don't mind, uh, share some of them with our I audience uh, so that we can gauge your success. And then the question I have for you right now as we put the wraps on this is, okay, we're close to or at day 90. Are you going to 
continue and forge ahead with the exact same plan that you've had for the last three months or so? You're going to augment it a little bit. What are your plans? No, I'm going to continue. I'm going to stay on this. Uh, I might eat a little bit more often at this point, uh, but because I don't really need to lose any more body fat. I, I mean, I got my six pack going for the summer. I'm ready to go. That's Look at all you. cool. In but his 50s, he has a six pack. That's impressive. Do you yeah. drink coffee? Yeah. Can I ask that? I drink Do coffee. You... I drink coffee. Really? Let me speak to something that okay. Mike just said. Uh, he was saying that, you know, we're generally very good about not eating carbs. And that's partially true with me anyway. And what I mean by that is I have two young kids and I, I grab the M&Ms. I, I can't, you know, my, there. my wife buys bags of M- <laughs> five pound bags of M&Ms oh, so she can make pancakes for the kids, right? So <laughs> pancakes, oh. pancakes, M&M pancakes. pancakes? Sounds yeah, great. Don't get me started. On, oh, don't get me gosh. started on that. I can't, I cannot, my wife would not let me put my kids on a ketogen. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's a nutritionist and she would never let it happen either. <laughs> so, uh, because, you know, they're afraid of ketoacidosis. But anyway, mm. what I wanted to say was this, uh, my diet before I started this, yes, I'd go nice. I'd go three, four days, really good. And then I'll eat a pizza, a, a whole pizza. You know, I mean, I, I, would, I would never really string along many consistent weeks or days. I'd eat well one day, not so much the other day. Summer's come, barbecues, hot dogs, hamburgers. I just went for it. And I can get away with it. You said, you know, at the beginning of this piece, mm-hmm. you know, Adam, you don't look like you need to lose weight. Why, why did you start this diet? You know, I, I, I was creeping up, you know, and even though it appears that I, I eat very well and I obviously eat well most oh, of the time, wow. I certainly eat good foods, but I also, I also supplement them with, with not such good stuff. And what, I, what this did these last 90 days, I made a commitment not to deviate from that, to be really consistent with it. Uh, yes, it's, more, it's higher fat than I was normally do when I did eat well. Uh, less protein than I normally, because that's what I learned about the ketogenic diet. That you know, we most people make the primary mistake of eating too much protein on a ketogenic diet. Mm. And so, uh, this has been the first time in my life that I've been this disciplined in my eating. And I'm older now; I can't get away with what I used to get away with. The other thing that I want to say before we wrap this up is about cravings. I I I always hear about how you go on these low carb diets, and when your fat starts, when your body starts. Uh, getting used to and primed for utilizing fat for fuel, they say you eliminate all your cravings. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So me anyway, yeah. I mean, maybe the physical cravings aren't there and I told you I can go all day and not really be hungry. But the truth of the matter is I am craving the foods that I have been giving up mm. nonstop. And, and, you know, to this day, 90 days into it, give or take, I still crave the pizza. I still see my kids eating the pizza. I still see the buns on the hamburgers, and I want it. I want it's, it bad, yeah. you know. But but you know, I I say no. It's I, I, I too. It's, the cravings are there. All right. So yeah. you know, maybe the physical craving, uh, maybe the physical cravings aren't there as much. Well, what do you mean by physical but, cravings? Define. I mean, that. my stomach growling and saying, uh, "Man, you're hungry. Gotcha. You got to eat." You know, or 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 feeling a little lightheaded, or physically feeling the effects of hunger. I don't know. Now that I'm keto adapted, I don't have those physical until, you know, well, you know, when I'm 24 hours in, I start to feel them. But like 18 hour fast, is, it's a no brainer for me. It's easy, easy as it can be. Wow. Uh, but even though those physical things aren't there, you know, I pass a pizza place. I pass, you know, chicken wings on the Super Bowl, hot dogs at the baseball game. 
beer, alcohol. You're making me hungry. I want it all. I want it all. Those <laughs> cravings have not subsided. I don't look at them and say, ew. <laughs> you know, right, right, right. You know, I want it badly, but and, but I don't do it. I don't just do it. It's easier to not do it. It's easier yeah, to so, just... So going forward, I'm going to continue my, my strict ketogenic diet for at least another 30 days. I might eat a little bit more food, but not the foods that I'm not supposed to be having on a ketogenic. You might add to your portions a little bit. I can have, Mm -hmm. add a little bit to my portions, but that's but that's the extent of it for the next for the next thirty days. By that point, I'll have my blood work done, and we'll we'll talk about this some more. You know, I I think just uh, before you wrap up, I think. You know, blood tests aside, I mean, that's data that we all need. It's great to get all that stuff. But the bottom line is, you know, you, you've uh, taken an educated approach to self-experimentation and troubleshooting your body uh, to figure out what, how to improve it. And your back has felt better. Okay. Do we know it's because of the ketogenic diet? Maybe, maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But regardless, you're in a trend where you feel so much better. Your body feels better. Your back feels better. You you like the way you look, the way you feel. It's like I almost want to say like whether if the, mm. if the tests are like are completely negative or there's no improvement or any any markers uh, that have been changed. Who cares? It's if still you feel, a win. Hey, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, looking at it, someone who looks healthy also. Some people may say they feel great, but they don't look healthy. But this is not the like case Adam. This is not, first of all, I want to say this is not a ringing endorsement for people or, or a push for people to go ketogenic. I, I'm not going to be that bold at this point to say something like that. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a viable option. And before you go into something like this, check with your doctor and- uh, do a lot of research because, you know, it's it's compared to the recommendations by the American Diet, the, the ADA, the American Dietary Association, this, this is not what's recommended. Can you give so, us So a- I want to I make this disclaimer. Uh, look into it for sure. Do your research. If it sounds intriguing to you, if it sounds like you, if I sounded like you, definitely look into it. Uh, but I, like Mike just said, I am very well researched. I have a, I have background in biochemistry. I know how to read these things. I'm a little bit different than your average bear when it comes to this type of thing. If you're not in that world, you, you should get advice when you do something like this. Can and, you give us do, a starting point? Like do it right. Well, I recommend. Yeah, I do. I recommend uh, the doctor I, re- I I mentioned earlier, Doctor Peter Atia A T T I A, and his website is called the Eating Academy. Read everything this guy writes. And then he also refers you to other things to read. So that is a great start. The Eating Academy by Dr. Peter Atia. So if you're interested in possibly doing this for yourself, well, pay attention to our podcast. Uh, we're going to be reporting back on this in a little while when I get my blood work back. And we'll take it from there. Good luck. Okay, so don't forget to check out the show notes for a link to the website that Adam referenced, spotlighting the research done by Dr. Peter Atia. That's Eating Academy. Looking forward to the results of Adam's blood work to gauge the success of his three-month ketogenic dietary journey. And we should have that for you coming up in the next few weeks. Also on the way, we have a couple of interviews that we're really excited about here at the Informed Fitness Podcast. In two weeks, we'll be speaking with happiness expert Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen has authored several books and has sold more than 2 million copies in 30 different languages. She's been a client of Informed Fitness for many years, and she has a popular podcast of her own titled Happier with Gretchen Rubin. So give it a listen and even subscribe to her podcast so you can become more familiar with Gretchen before she joins us here on the show. And in the process, 
pick up some valuable tips on being, well, happier. And next week, we'll be talking to Dr. Martin Gabala, the author of The One Minute Workout. Adam and Dr. Gabala will contrast and compare high-intensity strength training, like we do here at Informed Fitness, and high-intensity interval training, as described in Dr. Gabala's book, The One Minute Workout. If you'd like to find an Informed Fitness location nearest you so you can give this high-intensity strength training workout a try for yourself, please visit informfitness.com. And at the time of this recording, we have locations in Manhattan, Port Washington, Danville, Burbank, Boulder, Leesburg, and in Reston. If you aren't near an Informed Fitness location, you can always pick up Adam's book via Amazon, Power of 10, the once-a-week slow-motion fitness revolution. Included in the book are several exercises that support this protocol that you can actually perform on your own at a gym nearest you. We'll have a link to Adam's book in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening and for Sheila Melody, Mike Rogers, and Adam Zickerman of Informed Fitness. I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network.